Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Five versions of the same story. One, someone is heading out to work, approaching the street, keys in hand, when suddenly they notice that their car looks oddly low to the ground. Getting closer, they see that in fact it is resting on its axles. The tires have been stolen. Their immediate response is to open their phone and buy the silk pajamas they've been coveting. (laughs) Then they call the police. Two, someone heads out to drive to work and discovers that their tires have been stolen. Their immediate response is a wave of fury. They pound on the car, then whirl around and returning to their apartment building, pound on the super's door. My tires are gone. What are we paying you for? When they get to work, they extend their rage to everyone they encounter. Three, the tires are missing. The owner of the car begins to fret. Today, the tires. Tomorrow, the car. I'll have no way to get to work. I'll lose my job. I'll be living on the streets. Four, on discovering that the tires have been stolen, someone returns to their apartment, calls out from work, and lies down for a nap. And finally, five, no tires. The person stands there scanning the street. Is this really my car? Why did I park here? What am I doing living in a neighborhood where tires go missing? Why do I just keep making these terrible decisions? These, my friends, are a modern-day illustration of the mind states that get in the way of joy, known in Buddhism as the five hindrances. The translation from Pali is desire, aversion, restlessness, sloth, and doubt. For our purposes, we could give them more memorable names that sound suspiciously like Snow White's companions, Greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, and doubtful. My own experience is that each of us has a starring hindrance in our lives, the one with which we naturally lead. Are you a silk pajamas kind of person? Or do you tend to anger? Are you a fretter? Lazy? Or does your mind tend to spin out of control in self-doubt and self-blame? Originally named as distractions from the present, the ways we lose our way, the hindrances restrict our access to equanimity and peace. When my friend and teacher Sylvia Borstein first shared the missing tires teaching tale, Her friend and teacher, Sharon Salzberg, responded that instead of calling this the tale of greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, or doubtful, 
For some of us, it would be more accurate to claim all five of the hindrances living together in the little cottage of our minds. We are, she said, greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, and doubtful. German-born Buddhist monk and scholar Nyanaponika Tara begins his book, The Five Mental Hindrances and Their Conquest, explaining, the highest goal of the Buddha's teachings is unshakable deliverance of the mind. Deliverance means the freeing of the mind from all limitations that tie it to the wheel of suffering. The hindrances are like bad companions that hang out in the bad neighborhood of our minds. To get them to move, he says, don't feed them. So they'll go looking for trouble elsewhere. If we want to extend that metaphor, actually, we can say that the minute we've learned their real names, greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, and doubtful, they're in trouble. Because now we can rat them out. The tables turn and we are no longer beholden to them. They'll continue to pop up for sure. They're persistent and we're human, but they'll stop running the show. If we find that someone has stolen our tires, we might feel the urge to splurge, rage, worry, nap, or collapse into uncertainty and doubt, but with a little practice. Okay, a lot of practice. We can choose our response, cultivate an expansive mind, and invite spaciousness into our lives. For 25 years, CNN broadcast live, Larry King Live, a one-hour talk show which reached a million viewers a day. Typically, Larry King would interview celebrities and politicians, but once, he interviewed the Indian Hindu Swami Satchidananda. That night, phone calls flooded in from both skeptical and antagonistic viewers. Throughout the broadcast, the Swami remained calm and content, responding to each question with clarity, precision, and even humor. Larry King was known for his direct style and probing questions. At one point, he leaned across his desk and looked into the Swami's eyes. How did it get so quiet in there, he asked. <laughs> Swami Satchidananda replied, it is quiet in there. We just all ruffle it up so much. Sylvia Borstein writes, there is no willfulness about stirring up our minds. It is the nature of the mind to be stirred, like winds that blow back and forth across the surface of a clear pool, obscuring its clarity and depth. We don't mean to complicate our lives, but hindrances hinder the possibility of our reconnecting with the peaceful self that is our essential nature. And choosing to pay attention doesn't mean stopping that. It just means that we can see them for what they are, ripples on a smooth surface. Tibetan Buddhists liken the mind to a great clear sky, a cloudless sky. All the phenomena of mind and body are happenings in this clear sky. They are not the sky itself. 
The sky is unaffected by what's happening. The clouds come and go, the winds come and go, the rain and the sunlight all come and go, but the sky remains clear. We forget that our actual nature is not the passing storm. The passing storm is the passing storm. Our essence remains our essence all the time. Make the mind like a big, clear sky, they say, and let everything arise and vanish on its own. Then the mind stays spacious and clear. The fact that it's the nature of our minds for storms to arise and pass away is not a problem. Living in a place where the weather changes frequently is not a problem. It does, however, require clothing to wear when we go out into it and sometimes the wisdom to stay indoors. It also helps in keeping the spirits up to remember that the weather is going to change. In just this way, our difficult mind states, greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, and doubtful, are a problem only if we believe they are going to be there forever. When the tires have been stolen, we can find our breath and ask, what's the wisest response in this very moment? At the heart of all the hindrances is the feeling of something missing, something amiss. Two grandmothers were taking care of their two-year-old granddaughter as her baby brother was being born. One of the grandmothers told this story. The two grandmothers are close friends and the toddler knows both of them well. Nevertheless, it became increasingly clear that she knew something was up. She became fussy. She wanted cuddling. She was hungry, though she'd been fed. She wanted to play, but no one could touch her toys. On and on, the grandmothers did their valiant best. And then finally, one of them turned to the other and spoke the whole truth of the situation, saying, le falta algo, which means she's missing something. I love this. Instead of spinning into a full-blown hindrance attack, we can simply say, me falta algo, I'm missing something, and ask, what is the wisest response in this very moment. I want to be sure you don't leave here this morning thinking the hindrances are going to just jet and leave us. That's where spiritual practice comes in and patience, especially with ourselves. The founders of the Insight Meditation Center in Barrie, Massachusetts have a hilarious collection of envelopes they kept from the time just after they opened one was addressed to the Hindsight Meditation Society. That's probably worth its own sermon. I remember hearing this guy reminiscing about building his house. When it was done, he said, he finally owned all the tools he needed to build it. I've thought about that so often as it relates to the spiritual life. It seems we need to go through whatever we go through to gain the tools that would have helped us to get there in the first place. But unlike Merlin, we can't live backwards. We have to live forwards, doing the best we can 
with what we have. Patience. Another envelope arrived at the Insight Meditation Society addressed to the Instant Meditation Society. <laughs> Think dehydrated meditation. <laughs> Just add water enlightenment. Well, that's not happening. Uh, the only instant in spiritual practice is this instant, as in this very moment. It's the only one we can do anything about. You can't plant a garden and keep pulling up the plants to see how they're doing. <laughs> the Buddhist teacher Munindra used to say, in spiritual practice, time is not a factor. It is not something relevant to this practice. Practice is timeless. Patience. Thinking of patience, patience with others, and perhaps patience with ourselves as something through which we grit our teeth and forbear is misguided. The Buddha spoke of patience as both the highest austerity but also as the heart of true devotion. Sharon Salzberg writes, patience is a steadfast strength that we apply to each moment. It does not imply a sense of succumbing to, a complacent giving up, or even an endless standing by. Patience does not mean being enslaved by the moment. It certainly doesn't mean that we must accept whatever comes without taking action to change things. If the moment requires some kind of action, we must. What is important is the way in which we take action. Patience is actually quite simple. It means a full and open connection to this moment with integrity. I want to close with a story about my friend Lama Suryadas' teacher, Nyoshil Khan Rinpoche. Kenpo, as his students call him, had begun training in a monastery at the age of five. By the age of 27, he was a highly revered Lama. Like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Kenpo had to flee the Chinese invasion of Tibet, leaving his family behind, not knowing if he would ever see them again he set out with 70 other people. One night, as the group made their way through the treacherous Himalayan passes, they were ambushed. Kenpo was one of only five who survived. Reaching India, he begged for pennies on the streets of Calcutta so that he might buy a cup of tea. Inevitably, as he recounted this brutal story, his devoted students would weep, imagining their esteemed and beloved teacher, a stranger in a strange land, bereft and impoverished. But he told them, I was happy. He found happiness, he said, in the fact that he had lived at the extraordinary opportunity to be alive. He found purpose in being an example of grace, in the strength of the teachings, and in continuing to teach. So many unexpected ups and downs, he said, who can describe them? Isn't life like a series of dreams within a vast, 
dreamlike mirage. His happiness was not conditional, not bound to outward circumstances. Even in the midst of unimaginable hardship, he had cultivated an inner freedom and an inner peace. And Kenpo dedicated his life to freeing others. Which brings us back, my beloved spiritual companions, to us, each of us, as we navigate both temporal and spiritual experiences of stolen tires. Greedy, grumpy, anxious, sleepy, and doubtful all live within us and among us. At any given moment, we might feel the urge to splurge, rage, worry, nap, or collapse into uncertainty and doubt. But with practice and patience, we can choose our response to them, choose to invite spaciousness into our lives. The mind is like a big, clear sky. It is quiet in there. When we find ourselves tempted to ruffle it up, we can simply say, I'm missing something, and ask, what's the wisest response in this very moment? Not hindsight meditation, not instant meditation, but practice and patience, dear ones. Patience with our circumstances, patience with ourselves, while we keep the faith that underneath it all are freedom and peace. I wish this for you and for us all. Freedom and peace. Amen. And now for the benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Adapted from Reverend Bill Schultz, this is the mission of our faith, to practice the fragile art of hospitality, to revere both the critical mind and the generous heart, to celebrate our exquisite diversity, and to answer the call to hold the whole world in our hands. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.
please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.